This sermon this morning was prepared by Reverend Campin, retired minister from the Orangeville Canadian Reformed Church. In preparation for this sermon, let us read Hebrews 12, 1 through 17, and then Psalm 119, 65 through 80. So Hebrews 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy who was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you, ha- and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, the Lord deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? And if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjugation to the Father of spirits and live? For indeed, for a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet that what is the lame may not be dislocated but rather healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone should fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Therefore you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. So far there, and we'll go to Psalm 119, verse 65. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good, 
and do good. Teach me your statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than a thousand coins of gold and silver. Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let, I pray, your merciful kindness be for my comfort, according to the word of your, to your servant. Let your tender mercies come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed, for they have treated me wrongfully with falsehood. But I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me, those who know your testimonies. Let my heart be blameless regarding your statutes, that I may not be ashamed. And our text for this morning is Psalm 119, verses 67, 71, and 75. I won't read them again. After the sermon, we will sing from Psalm 119, verse 25, 27, and 29. Beloved brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, when traveling somewhere, many will listen to music to pass the time. Of course, you don't have to listen to music. You can make your own music by singing songs. We also can apply this to our life as God's children. When we are traveling to the heavenly Jerusalem, on that journey, we can listen to others sing. But the better way, though, is for us to sing. The Holy Spirit has given the church a beautiful songbook for the journey, the Book of Psalms. There are also many good hymns, too, but of course, the basic psalm book for our spiritual journey is the book of Psalms. If we think of the Psalms as traveling songs, the psalm from which we have our text may come across as a song that never ends. At 176 verses, it is the longest chapter in the Bible. Because of the subheadings, it can be seen even in our English translations that it is an acrostic psalm, that is an alphabet song based on the Hebrew alphabet. Unlike some other alphabet psalms, like Psalm 111 or Psalm 112, which have a new line beginning with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Psalm 119 has eight verses for each letter. The desire to have each verse in a section start with the same letter means that the themes and topics get tossed around a little bit, but at the same time, it is not hard to figure out the dominant theme. It is a psalm about the Word of God, especially His commandments. Within the grand theme, you find sub-themes somehow linked to that grand theme. The sub-theme in the verses we have selected this morning is affliction. Since this theme is found in the Psalms, it is not going to be a theoretical treatment of affliction. Rather, it is a confession about reality and the importance of affliction for our relationship with the Lord. 
that we may sing with greater understanding, I proclaim to you this morning, as believers, we confess that affliction is good for us. In faith, we confess, and these are the points for the sermon, the reason for affliction, the goal in affliction, and affection in affliction. I'll try not to switch those two around. Our attention has been drawn to affliction, that is hardship. Affliction can refer to so many things that it is necessary to spell out what the psalmist has in mind. In this case, it has to do with the hardship that comes as a punishment. Note this aspect of punishment. There is much affliction that comes to God's people for the simple fact that they are God's people. Israel experienced affliction for this reason. That did not change in the New Testament, Israel, the church. We can still expect to experience hostility of the world towards the gospel of Jesus Christ. Both Paul and James tell us to count it all joy when we suffer for the sake of Christ, for it helps us grow in faith and in hope. This affliction for the cause of the gospel, though, is not what the psalmist had in mind. He was speaking of affliction sent as punishment. This comes out in verse 76 where the psalmist says that before I was afflicted, I went astray. As we think about this, keep in mind the psalmist is speaking as a covenant child. It is important to keep in mind so that we may be able to fully identify with his words. One of the dangers of being born and raised in the covenant is that all the things that God has revealed to us in his word, both in terms of the covenant promises and demands, can kind of pass you by. We grow numb to our riches. For comparison, a child that has grown up in poverty and then becomes well-off will be able to remember the difference and appreciate what he has. A child born into a wealthy family easily takes things for granted and may even have a sense of entitlement. How do you get to appreciate some of his... How, does, how do you get to appreciate his blessings, especially when they are being taken for granted? In our case, how do we learn to appreciate the blessings of being God's children, having his revelation? The Lord, of course, uses the means of preaching of his word and the sacraments. Every time we hear the gospel, it is like being served a delicious meal, yet somehow we may not catch on. We are like the people of Israel when they came into the promised land. There was all the evidence of the goodness and the power of God Sorry, I lost my spot there. Of the, there was all the evidence and the goodness of the power of the Lord who had sent them free from the land of Egypt and had given them a land flowing with milk and honey. What a sad story, what a sad picture we get when we read the book of Judges. By the next generation that grew up in all of the wealth and the prosperity that was gained when they came into the promised land. They lost touch with the Lord who revealed himself in his words, his deeds, his laws, and his statutes. In short, they went astray. To see how big a danger it is, we need to pay attention to the word astray, the term that is used in the book of Leviticus to describe the sins done unintentionally, of not being aware one is sinning. The psalmist is therefore not speaking about sin done defiantly, with uplifted hand, 
but a sin done in the degree of ignorance because one was not paying attention. It is like a child who has been given a careful directions on how to find a certain place, but on the way there, he has had so many distractions that he loses his way. He didn't purposely go the wrong way, but he went astray just the same. That is what the psalmist is speaking about, getting spiritually lost because he hadn't been paying attention. Going astray then is different from apostasy, which is a deliberate, quick turning away from the Lord and His ways. Affliction is therefore connected with a strain from the Lord and His word. Like a parent, when the words fail to persuade a child, will then bring some sort of affliction on a son or daughter. So the Lord, when words fail to reach His children, will bring some affliction on His children. This is what he did to Israel the whole day of the judges. He sent famine. He gave them into the hands of their enemies. The book of Judges shows us how their enemies humiliated Israel at times. In the day of Gideon, they had to hide in the caves and in the mountains. We can also think of the way the Philistines humiliated Israel by the time Samuel arrived on the scene. On an individual level, we can think of David as he describes his condition in Psalm 32. Because of some unconfessed sin, his life's energy was taken away from him. We can also think of the prodigal son who ended up in utter poverty, sitting with the pigs. Only then did he come to his senses. In all these examples, we can see how it took a while before the message sank in. This can also happen to us. We grow up in the midst of spiritual riches. We hear the word of God, which is filled with promises as well as instructions regarding our obligations. But it never seems to land in our hearts. Or we can start to coast in our faith and we can go astray. And then it can happen that there is some sort of affliction. There can be an unexpected health or wealth-related setback in life or some tension in the family. We can think of the way David expresses himself in Psalm 32. It can also happen collectively to a church as a community where, seems, where things seem to be motoring along nicely. There may even be some sense of spiritual confidence and smugness. Think of the situation in Corinth, the abundance of spiritual gifts. Then there came tensions and divides because of the disorderly celebration of the Lord's Supper. Some members became sick, some even died. The Corinthians, though, didn't catch on. To be sure, not all affliction is related to going astray. We think of Job's, Job's situation. We should not right away discount it as just being a reality of life in this broken world. Affliction is a time for reflection we should wonder if perhaps we have begun to wander away from God and his word. If we conclude our affliction is in this category of Job's affliction, we should know that God also has a goal in mind, namely, to learn to trust him. But if it is because we have gone astray, then he has a goal in mind, and that is our second point. The goal, as we learn from the psalmist, is that we may learn to know God's word. We hear this in verse 67 as he says, 
But now I keep your word. And in verse 71, where he says, through, this, through his affliction, he learned God's statutes. Affliction can do that as suddenly as our lives are jerked to a halt and we are forced to take a good look at how we live our lives. David testifies to this in Psalm 32. As his strength was sapped and as he was feeling spiritually down, he realized there was unconfessed sin in his life. Confession of sin led to the restoration of his life. Again, this is, experience, again, this is the experience many can testify to. And the older one gets, the more the words of this, this psalm ring true so that they can be sung with increased personal conviction and serve as a testimony to one's children. For example, we all learn to confess with our mouth that our only comfort is that we belong to Jesus Christ. Or we learn about the providence of God that nothing comes to us by chance, but it's all by his fatherly hand. We confess that, his wisdom, that in his wisdom he sends us adversity in this life of sorrow. While it all sits up here in the head, it is only when some affliction hits that we are confronted with the truth that the Lord may cause us to lose certain things in life, perhaps even people very dear to us, or he may afflict us with health problems. These do not come by chance. Then we may realize that we had drifted from him and that our only comfort was that we belonged to Jesus Christ and that we did not trust in our Father's providential care. Affliction may make us realize how much our lives were in a sense filled with idolatry as we have had other things in which we placed our trust and our hope and in which we found our meaning and our life's purpose. Sometimes the Lord has to take things away from us to make us realize His grace is sufficient. When these things happen, that will also redirect our lives to more conscious, thankful living. In short, afflictions can serve as life-changing moments for God's children. It is not then that we become God's children, but it is then that we grow and we mature as God's children. Sad to say, the hardness of our hearts means that very often such gain only comes through pain and affliction. Just like children often have to learn the hard way, at the same time, it is because of that gain that we can say, it is good for me that I was afflicted. Actually, we learn to see our Father's affection in sending affliction, and that's our third point. We turn our attention now to the third verse, verse 75. In faith, we learn to say that God's rules are right. That is, they are fair and appropriate. So it was foolish to go astray. But above all, we know that our Father was motivated by faithfulness. Note the phrase, in faithfulness you have afflicted me. The terms faithfulness is a covenant term. It describes the action of one covenant partner towards the other. The root of that word comes back to us in describing man's response to God's covenant, namely faith. Here, however, it is used with respect to the Lord. We cannot underestimate the importance of this motivation, namely God's covenant faithfulness. 
Here we have the very heart of the reason that the Lord keeps dealing with his people, namely his gracious covenant, which we know rests in the blood of Jesus Christ. Just imagine if all depended upon our responsibleness and our faithfulness. What a hopeless situation it would be. When we would go astray, we would be lost forever. Thankfully, as the Lord's dealing with his people Israel shows so clearly, the Lord goes after his people when they go astray. We think of the time of the judges. He would not let go of his people, but through affliction he brought them back to him. In the same way, the exile was judgment, a heavy affliction, but the aim was to bring the hearts of the people back to him. In all this, we are reminded of what we read in Hebrews 12. The author tells us, Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. God is treating you as sons. Note how well being afflicted is the evidence of our Father's care for us. It is evidence of being members of his family. The author adds that our Heavenly Father disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. Further, while all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, later it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. In light of this, we can see why it was good that God afflicts us. It is not a sign of God being vindictive or mean, but it is a sign of his faithfulness to his covenant that he is treating us as his children. It is important that we see this, lest we resist affliction. When you come down, right down to it, affliction is a sign of affection. He does this because he loves us. We may not think so when we feel his heavy hand upon us, but we will experience it when we see what his aim is. All this, however, does not take away from the call to respond in faith when we are afflicted. I refer again to Hebrews 12, where the author warns the readers, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble, and by it many become defiled. He refers to the example of the immoral and irreligious Esau, we should not refuse the God who is speaking to us in our affliction, calling us to himself. As he has revealed himself to us in his word, for it is only when we accept in faith that our Father is behind our affliction, that his rules and his judgments are right, and that he acts in faithfulness to draw us back to his word in which he has revealed himself, and that affection Affliction is evidence of our Father's affection that we will wholeheartedly be able to say, it is good for me that I was afflicted. With these words of Psalm 119, then, we learn how to properly sing about afflictions that come our way. Afflictions are not pleasant, yet they are sent by our Heavenly Father for our sanctification. As we see His reason and purpose, and his affection, then we will also be able to see that any temporary gain has eternal gain. Amen.